And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. Technically, I guess now it's the off season. I'm pretty sure that there are a few portions of downtown Kansas City with some confetti stuck to the curb, and I'm still okay with that. It's a nice reminder of the fact that it was a week ago that we were sitting here just recapping a football game and with a parade still to be done. It feels like that game happened both yesterday and 100 billion years ago, but nonetheless, we're here with, I guess, yeah, the first official off-season edition of Times Ours here on The Athletic. I'm Joshua Briscoe alongside Nate Taylor and Seth Kaiser. And uh, a lot of times we, we cover quite a few topics before the show actually gets going. Oftentimes it revolves around Seth being old or um, Seth being a problem or Seth generally um, causing his wife great stress. It's a lot of Seth-based pregame conversation. But um, at this point, Seth, I actually think Nate and I might be here for an intervention with you because... An intervention? Yeah, it's just the... It's just the Twitter habit, Seth. It it's really gotten bad since the Super Bowl. I can quit anytime I want. <laughs> yeah, I just I just I just need a couple. Like I mean, not this week, <laughs> but like I mean, it just yeah. I just need a little something to to get me straight. Like you know, be, we'll be good. I okay. You want you know you know what? I'm tired of it. I've decided that we have reached a point that anyone doubting. The greatness of Patrick Mahomes or this Chiefs era team, they don't deserve to be treated with kindness. And <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, and you're gonna I know what you're gonna say. Seth, how can you justify that scripturally? And I will tell you, I'm gonna tell you how to live your life, random podcast listener, except you, Dad, who I know listens to this, and please don't call me out on that because you know. I do occasionally ask you how to live my life, but I don't want to go down that road right now. It, I think I'm learning why. So like for years, Patriots fans have been insufferable. We can all agree on that, right? Sure. Like, they're, they're just rough to deal with. They're also Tom from Brady Boston. Fans. I mean, like, what are you? That's Minnesota. Just out of the gate swinging. Uh, Man. Isn't, isn't that the charm of Boston, though? Like, yeah, I mean, it's no, a charm. Man. I, I, I enjoy your charm, Boston. That's what I'm. I did. That's what I'm I didn't saying, take that as offensive. I, I took from that Boston. As, I mean, come yeah, on. I think Seth doing it for Minnesota. There's a higher degree of difficulty, honestly. Mm. Yeah, it is harder to turn into a villain. But I just I figured it out. The reason Patriots fans were insufferable is because. It was annoying to them when people were telling them anything other than, hey, your team's incredible because they were clearly incredible. You know, we can all acknowledge that. I've now decided that's really the role that I'm playing now. I've decided I've had enough. I just can't do it anymore. I've tried so many times. 
I, I you know, there was a breaking point here with this, and I don't know if you guys saw this. I had a very long conversation on Twitter with someone that basically, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he just relies too much on, he's a Bengals fan. So, you know, Joe Burrow does have a higher IQ because he plays better within the constrictions of an offense, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we had a long conversation about that in which I tried to lead the horse to water. Could you make a drink? It turns out I couldn't, and someone Weird. could have warned me about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I just like, I got, I got part ways through it. I finally said to him some version of, which, you know, this was the beginning of, of me becoming even more condescending, which is, I'm sure, terrific for everyone, where I said, I have given you the Lincoln Logs. You must build the cabin. Shout out to Gilmore Girls and Luke Danes for the reference. Um, yeah, that's right. I watched Gilmore Girls. I'm not ashamed. Um, well, I am a little now because you guys are being pretty quiet. I thought you were bragging and I was like, I just, <laughs> we all kind of know where you're at in terms of like popular media and everything. I was just going to let you have it, man. I was just letting you get, letting you get your shots off here. Hey, you know what? My, my references are out of control. All right. They are, they are very up to date sort of. And so anyway, I, I, I tried. I have built a career on giving people information. I try all the time, like, okay, I'm just going to give you the information. This is what I found in my efforts. This is what the pressure rate looks like of some player. This is the number of pass rush wins or with Patrick Mahomes. This is the number of times he made multiple reads on a play. Like this is just information, right? Take yeah. from it what you will. I've decided I'm done with all that, guys. <laughs> now it's, nope, this is the conclusion. This is the only conclusion you could draw from this. If you draw anything else from it, you're doing it wrong. And so through that, I got to say, Twitter can be a very divisive place, guys. <laughs> and that's what I'm discovering now. Nate, do you feel a need to step in on behalf of our friend? No, no. <laughs> You know, at this point in his in his um at this point in his life journey, we oh, just man. need to let him see it all the way through. Just just let him see it all the way through. You know, that's he's like got, he's that's got one till, step before he's too old to change. <laughs> he's got he's got from he's got between now and sometime around early September to just to just, you know, uh always have always have the the ability to 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 tell people championship. You ever remember that um, that ESPN commercial? It was a fantasy football draft, and I think it was. I think it involved TJ Husmanzada, and the guy was like, "Championship, championship, absolutely." That's, 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 I all, that's championship. all. That's all he has to say now. Championships. Got to do it in that pitch, though, <laughs> Seth. You got to get to the Nate register of championship, championship. <laughs> it really, it's it's an even better version of scoreboard. Yeah. Yeah, it, no, it is. That one, boy, Nate, that was an incredible pull because I was hearing it in my head before you even finished it, but I haven't thought about that in Lord knows how long. That's why I'm here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so with with that being said, here's I'm gonna I'm gonna lay out a few things at the very top in here because we've got a handful of stuff from last week that I have written down on a little sticky note that I promised you guys last week I would write down so we'd remember to circle back to it this week. Yeah. Plus, both of these guys have stuff up both on the athletic. Uh, with uh, I'll, I'll I'll get to what Nate has already done, and then of course Chief of the North newsletter. Uh, we've got some stuff on the uh, the the Chiefs linebackers, and uh, there will shortly. 
be something there about uh, Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback in the Super Bowl. But right now, up on the athletic, Nate already has. The headline calls it a big board, and that's not even really doing it justice because Nate has a collection of candidates for potential draft selection through the top 100, through the Chiefs' picks through the first three rounds. And there are summaries, Nate's perspective on these players, and uh, a whole list of guys for you to begin doing your your light pre-draft scouting on if you see that as something that you need right now. Here's what I'm going to admit. I, I listened to the uh, to the most recent Athletic Football Show episode with Dane Brugler and the guys going through their top 100. I have I have begun to put my big toe on the gas pedal to get us up to speed on the draft, but I am not yet up to cruising altitude, to mix my metaphor. <laughs> if you are ready, that is there. I will yep. use this as a resource, probably starting even with next week's episode, when I do want to dive in a little bit, um, there, are, there are a few guys on this list that I am I am in enough to be excited about. And there's a couple guys on this list that I think will just be very fun to talk about. But we'll see if we get all the way back around to that. The draft content, though, has already started on The Athletic, both from Nate, from Dane, from everybody, kind of pushing us that direction. So we've got all that. But first, we have some really Chiefs-relevant stuff that I want to start with. Uh, and then we will we will get to draft coverage as it approaches, which is... Not that far away, believe it or not, friends. The uh, the NFL schedule actually starts with stuff tomorrow um, being the uh, the opening of the franchise tagging window. So buckle up. Does that sound good to you too? Yes. Sounds terrific. Let's go into the news of the weekend then, which is that Eric Bieniemy was officially named the offensive coordinator and assistant head coach of the Washington Commanders. It ends his run in Kansas City. It is not technically a completely lateral move because that assistant head coach title is new for Bienemy. I've also seen multiple reports saying that he's getting a raise from that. God bless him. I, I hope he gets his money, his title, and then ultimately the opportunities that he's already earned. Um, Nate, walk me through what you know about that decision for Bienemy. Um, and then I, I'm I'm just sort of curious. I don't know if you're going to have all the answers for us on this, but, but what, what the Chiefs role in all of this was, if, if there was an effort to to bring him back, to encourage him to take that job, or, or what we ought to know about EB to Washington? Yeah, I, you know, I'll be quick with this. Um, this was going to happen. Um, I couldn't say it definitively because, you know, I don't have obviously any control over this. But, you know, even on Super Bowl Sunday, it became aware that that was Eric Bieniemy's last game um, as a member of the coaching staff for the Chiefs. Again, everybody in the locker room gave him all the love, all the praise. Um, Andy did his best to sort of explain Eric's role and the offense having a perfect half of football, let's not forget that, a perfect half of football in the most important half of the season, obviously the second half of the Super Bowl. Um, but look, um, in five seasons as the offensive coordinator, he's won or he's been a part of a team winning two championships. Um, obviously, as many people have said before, he's interviewed with half the league for whatever those reasons are, good, bad, stupid, one could argue. Um, he has not been a head coach. What I think Eric has admitted, um, even though if, if you don't think it's fair, if I don't think it's fair, if most people in the league, if they just looked at it uh, objectively, would say this is A, not fair. What Eric realized and was willing to, um, you know, move forward in his career is, you know, I will I will be willing to call plays, which he has pretty much confirmed. Um, 
with Washington. I think his first press conference is Thursday. So if Chiefs fans want to see um, what Eric's original thoughts are of the commanders, what his role will be, um, obviously being an assistant head coach means you're going to have more uh, decisions to make in terms of the 53-man roster, in terms of how you want to build um, the offensive unit, of course. Um, that could get a little bit into, like, special teams. How do you want to manage the team's schedule? Like, there's just more. Like, the head coach can't do everything is ultimately what I'm trying to get at. But it is more responsibility um, than what he had with the Chiefs. Um, and as I said before, there's nothing for him to accomplish in Kansas City. And the Chiefs wanted him for one more year, which is basically what he signed last offseason. Um, he signed a one-year deal with Nagy coming in in this sort of unique situation where most head coaches don't go from head coach to quarterback coach. They mostly go from head coach to like coordinator of some kind um, and to see if they can get another, you know, another chance at being a, a head coach again. Um, unless something absolutely unforeseen happens, kids, Matt Nagy will probably be the Chiefs offensive coordinator, perhaps as early as next week when guess what? I'll be in Indianapolis at the combine. Um, the big thing then becomes who becomes the quarterback's coach. But in essence, um, the enemy wants to prove yet again that he is a more than qualified candidate to be a head coach. And if that means I have to turn around an offense where I don't know, A, who my offensive linemen are, and B, I don't know who my quarterbacks, who my quarterback is, then I'll do it. Um, so you could say it's a bit of a risk, a bit of a gamble. Um, but this is how the league has sort of informed him. And, you know, he's been with the team for 10 years. He's been every he's been there every year and he's been there. So um you would think beyond just the I don't know, hypocrisy, ridiculousness, whatever, that like there's got to be a next step in his career as a coach. We didn't foresee this one necessarily, but this is the reality of the situation. Um, and yeah, unless Matt Nagy doesn't want to coach Patrick Mahomes, which seems idiotic to me, hmm. um, that's probably who's going to be the offensive coordinator. Uh, yeah, I all of that tracks, and I we've probably said this on this show a thousand times, it's just that's what the league has told him, and the league didn't say that to Matt Nagy or Doug Peterson from the same job, which they were in for less time than the enemy was, with less success. With less, yes, less success and, is, uh, is the big one. And that's just, um, you know, that's a puzzle I'm sure we'll never really find out the answer to what's going on there. That'll probably just be up in the air forever. We can only guess. Uh, Seth, anything to add there before we uh, talk about anything that uh, we've talked about less previously or that makes me less angry? The only thing would just be to remind people that no matter how distasteful the obvious answer seems to be, or no, no matter how much it it, it um, challenges the way we would like to think about the world, the most obvious answer is still usually the answer. And that's I mean, just something to think about for people that that yeah. push back on that. And yeah. I think there are very nice, well-intentioned people who push back on that because they don't want to believe it. And I get why you wouldn't want to believe that. I really do. Let me let me just give you some facts real quick. The New York Giants a few years ago had the chance to hire the enemy. They also interviewed Joe Judge. Mm-hmm. How'd that turn <laughs> out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How'd that turn out? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, look, I mean... You know, um, people make mistakes. It's not 
it's uh in this case it's not really surprising but at the same time it's not um it's not fair or el- leveled or there's not a form of equality uh that i think most people in the league want to aspire to and want to achieve um but look um you know he'll get all the credit if they have success and from a perception standpoint when it comes to ownership that's what he needs and so he's willing to He's willing to give it a try. Um, I don't think you can fault the man. Um, but I do know that there are a lot of people in the organization, in the Chiefs organization, who are very who are very fond of, of Eric and understand that, you know, he won't br- you know, he brings a level of accountability, fundamentals, player perspective. Obviously, he's gotten he's he's grown so much from a scheme standpoint of like obviously being a former running back and being like, no, nah, dog, we gotta we keep passing. But also still again fundamentally sound enough to know that um there needs to be some level of balance so hey you know i can make the argument just factually that eric Bieniemy is perhaps the best coordinator to ever get andy Reid to have some form of balance or some form of checks and balances in terms of play calling and situationally at the end of games um that also involves a quarterback also involves a quarterback's coach also involves you know some of the analytical people who are obviously giving reports as to how you should handle these situations from a week-to-week standpoint but anyway, I can just say that like Eric Bieniemy has obviously helped Andy Reid in the whole clock management situation because you never hear the clock management situation. Yeah, when it Reed, comes to hey, Andy Reid, hey, you know who handled the clock management really well on that final five minute drive? Andy Reid. Like yeah. the only complaint you could maybe make about that entire drive was Juju Smith-Schuster going out of bounds on that mm-hmm. early first down. And even then, they were on the wrong side of the 50, right? Right. Why you didn't Eric a- Bieniemy go out there and tackle Juju in bounds? Honestly, <laughs> yeah. I just need to see him prove it, man. I'll yeah, really, yeah, I really just to do. really prove it. But it is, it's such an interesting thing. Like, just, I, it's something that I keep shouting out, like, to, to yeah. people, like, hey, look at that. Like, all the things that people would like to complain about with Andy Reid. It's like, huh, growth. Imagine that. Yeah, Imagine. but, but you know, Andy's not afraid to have um, people who are smart and delegate and obviously give them um some level of authority that obviously helps the the team move in the right direction what'll be fascinating about Ron Rivera is of course is he's he's on a bit of a hot seat um considering that everyone else in the division is better than them so <laughs> um hey if you that is a add, tough division yeah if you can add another valuable coach um you would be foolish not to obviously they come from they both come from the Andy Reid tree they both respect one another um and again you know uh we're we're not saying it's fair, but we're just saying that this is this is the step in you know in Eric Bieniemy's career with Andy Reid saying, "Look, I don't want to have to offer you another one year deal for the hope or the potential that maybe you get a head coaching uh, gig next year." I mean, they could do that, but also you could get a multi year deal, have more authority, make more money, and grow in a slightly different way, even if it's not the one you necessarily desired. Um, That is basically what the two sides came to understand and agree to. So that's that. When it's official with Nagy, as it sounds like we all should expect it to be, well, we we could talk a little bit about what that might mean when that, uh, when that comes around and then there'd be an opening quarterbacks coach, which is kind of interesting. Again, we can circle around that as the, uh, the moves become official. Uh, In the meantime, there were a couple of things circling back to the Super Bowl itself. And again, you know, Seth's still in the film room and I'm not fully done talking about how, how many of these different places sort of stepped up. But 
Uh, to be honest, guys, I don't remember exactly what it was about the Chiefs pass rush that I think at least Seth and maybe both of you guys wanted to talk about some uh, from the Super Bowl itself and, and, and the performance that the uh, the Chiefs pass rush put out. And I will also connect that to the new thing as uh, Nate's piece, or Nate's part of the the greater piece looking around the rest of the league uh, up in the athletic about the, the biggest needs throughout, again, all 32 teams. Um, Nate, you, you wrote about it being the defensive line. Now, obviously there's going to be some overlap for guys that may or may not be here next year who were a part of the pass rush in the Super Bowl. Um, but I don't know how you guys want to attack that, uh, because I, I think we're going to talk about this position group a whole lot, both yeah. when we look back to the Super Bowl and throughout the rest of this off season. Yeah. I mean, we should, we should probably go, uh, through the Super Bowl to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean. <laughs> As I wrote, like Steve Spagnuolo's the coordinator, so give me them edges, give me them D linemen. <laughs> yep, <laughs> NASCAR. <laughs> you know, can he can he call it Formula One now? Because like I don't know, coach. Like you know, we, not, we might need to modernize that thing. You know, is <laughs> is Mike Dana a NASCAR or is he a F one? Is he an F one car in in the in the three tech? <laughs> I I think what is I'm gonna I'll think about that. Nate, I'll work on that for you. I think to to work our way kind of backwards from the way you said it, defensive line, I would expect them to look early and often because Carlos Dunlap was on a one-year deal. Frank Clark, for the first time in two and a half years, I'm like, I could see a future there. I could see a scenario in which Clark is a chief in 2023. Had you asked me prior to the 2023 season, I think people did. Do you see any scenario where Frank Clark is still a chief? I would have been like, no, there's just no way. Now I'm like, well, obviously there's going to need to be some contract work done. Yeah. Like a lot of it because his his contract hit that final year is huge. It was never intended to be played out. But I mean, is he willing to do the vet contract type stuff that Melvin Ingram and uh, Carlos Dunlap did? I'd pay for that. Mm-hmm. But how much, how much are you guaranteeing, Seth? And that is an interesting question, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it just—it really is. It's just—it's just tough because it's hard to go from you know foundational guy from a salary standpoint to not that on the same team. That's very different than going to a different team. You know what I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. these these are people. The human yes. element matters. And players, by and large, from everything I'm told, contracts are a big deal. They they kind of lay out a little bit of the locker room hierarchy. They kind of lay out a little bit of the pecking order. Now, not all of it, because obviously a lot of other stuff matters, right? Like, <clears throat> you know, Nick Bolton's on a rookie contract, but it's not like everyone's like, shut up, Rook. Like, I'm assuming mm-hmm. that's not going on. I feel like Willie Gay would attack someone if they did that. But, or Nick Bolton just might do it himself, honestly. But it, it matters. So I, I have a hard time picturing them sitting down in a room and saying, hey, Frank, we love you, man, but you're a decent defensive end. And we've been paying you superstar money for years. So you cool taking that big, gigantic pay cut? That's an awkward conversation to have. Whereas with another team, it's not an awkward conversation because they never gave him superstar money. So I don't know, but but I mean he's so they've got questions there. They got questions with Saunders. You know he's a free agent. So I mean it's like you got Chris Jones, Karloftis, and Mike Dana. And by the way, 
that's not a bad foundation. You still got a whole draft for your rookie contract pieces and then not to mention free agency for real money again. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a bad foundation. It's also just, you know, with Spags, you see how much more comfortable he is with his defense and how much better his defense gets when he can get pressure with four. It's just a completely different stratosphere. And his blitzes are so much more effective. Everything's better, which is, by the way, true for every defensive coordinator in the world. But a guy that is as creative with his coverage looks and blitzes as Spags is, that matters even more. So I don't know. I I, I think working your way from the defensive line back is the way to go. Because this last year, what they do? They remade the secondary, by and large. I'm assuming defensive line is up next. Um, and I don't think they do a whole lot with linebackers, honestly, because Mm -hmm. man, they're coming off the linebackers having the game of their life in the Super Bowl, which is, you know, that's fun. Hey, Leo Chanel's a starter next year, guys. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to see it. Like, I just, I want to see what he looks like as the starter in base, you know, with the obviously Nick Bolton, Willie Gay. So, you know, I don't know who the next Elijah Lee is going to be, but yeah, I, I agree with Seth. Like. You play that well in the Super Bowl. I want to see. I want to see what year two is, Leo. Yeah, downhill. It's downhill. <laughs> I will let you erase that Dallas Goddard uh, completion. That was a completion. I mean, look, that was. I, I will not pretend that that play didn't happen. I didn't think we'd ever see it, but I'm not going to pretend that I didn't. So, <laughs> son, the look, first first year is simple. Son, see ball, go get ball. Yeah, usually, go, usually me. Yep. Usually means you go forward. Second year. Maybe a little side to side. Maybe maybe yep. keep them off. Maybe keep them guessing. Just a just a smidge. Third yep. year, yeah. I'm gonna just need you to keep going downhill, dog. <laughs> I just need you to <laughs> yeah. keep going. Yep. Never mind. Forget everything downhill. I said. Year too. <laughs> and, which is look. which is funny. Which is funny because like you could tell that was the original plan with Micah Parsons. They're like, hey man, we're gonna get you to do some side to side stuff. Some oh my god, just go forward. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That uh, that really is. You saw that with for sure with Parsons. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we got to teach you how to be a lot. Good Lord, you're amazing. Please. Well, and then they even tried to kind of force the linebacker stuff. And everyone's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, why? <laughs> It'd be like if Von Miller like got signed by the Bills. And they're like, well, we're actually going to have him be the Mike linebacker. Like, <laughs> why? Well, you can do it, you know. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. I can you do need- a lot of things. That doesn't mean I should. Right. Like, and I, I, I do want to give credit to, to Spagnolo because he was like, look, Frank, we're going to do a couple blitzes against the Jags. And we need you to just drop in coverage. We haven't done it all year, but just know that when it works, it's going to work. Just trust us, okay? Um, and then they did it. And it, and it was, you know, he was <laughs> he was basically dropping into coverage while uh, Justin Reed came obviously unblocked on the interception. But it's like, they haven't shown that all year. And it's like, yeah, those are the moments to do it. But with like, you know, I don't know how much we're going to see that with Leo next season. But hey, if you want to get to the, some more bare fronts, do I have yeah. a strong inside line? Do I have a strong the inside linebacker for you? Yeah. Do you want a guy that has the pursuit speed to go sideline to sideline in one direction let's not change directions let's not do that <laughs> let's let's go downhill but who also can take on like guards at the line of scrimmage have i got the guy for you and let me tell you something against the eagles that mattered a lot now now it didn't matter like like i don't want to 
Chiefs fans, Leo Chanel is kind of already one of their favorites. I don't want to overemphasize what he did in the Super Bowl. He made a few nice plays on very limited snaps, and he helped them. He helped convince, I think, a tough Eagles team that loves to spam the easy button that there was not an easy button to be had against the Chiefs' base. Mm. Yes. That that mattered. Yes. Like, in terms of the chess match stuff. It's like, okay, well, we're going to go to base. Okay, if you go to base, we know you're probably running it, and we've got this psychotic dude from Wisconsin who can haul himself onto, a, like, a you know 20-story bus with one arm, <laughs> and we're going to do that. And that that it shrunk their ways of winning. And that matters a lot with the Eagles because, again, they spam that easy button. And that run game stuff against the base defense was kind of their easy button. That said, so that was, it was valuable. That said, um, Willie Gay Jr. picked a great time to have his best, the best game of his career. Like, a terrific time. And I know people are going to want to want me to start with Nick Bolton. Man, by the way, look, Mizzou fans, guys, <laughs> I like Nick Bolton. Like, it's all, it's all they got, Seth. It's please all they man. have at this level in the sport. <laughs> I had someone DM me. And look, if you're a listener, please know I appreciate sort of how the interaction ended, kind of. But like someone like DMing me like, you know, we're watching. I'm like, okay, look. I, I'm going to go ahead and say what I actually think about players, regardless of whether you're watching. It's kind of the point is you're watching, right? Like, otherwise, I don't know. And I'm just going to go ahead and say I'll be the bad guy. If anybody DMs me anything and it starts with, we're watching, I don't appreciate that. Because whatever, the, unless it's like, hey, you're on TV and we're watching. The, the, the tone's really important. Yeah. If hey, it's hey. a purgy tone, I really don't appreciate it. Seth, they don't have, they don't have, they don't have a Macklin in the league, man. That's what they got. <laughs> they got a Mitch Morris and a Nick Bolton, okay? Yeah. Well, and for what it's worth, so I'm just, I'm looking at one. This is actually the same one. I got a few DMs where, like, one bit, talk bad about Nick Bolton again. I was like, <laughs> what? Okay. And I'm like, and then just, you know, just letting you know we're watching. Nick is an all-pro worthy and deserves proper respect. Look, all-pro, that means there's two linebackers in the league, Okay. Who are you taking him over? You taking him over Fred Warner? Are you? No, you're not. No one is. Nick Bolton's mom isn't taking him over Fred Warner. Okay? And I like Nick Bolton. And so, man, this is going the wrong direction. I'm going to get yelled at more. Look, people, I like Nick Bolton. He was not the best linebacker on the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Willie Gay Jr. was. And... And I don't know if Seth's DMs will be open by the time you hear this, but his personal cell phone number is. <laughs> easy, easy. But here's the thing. Nick Bolton was really, really good in the Super Bowl. Yeah. He I was said, really good. And so, I, an idiot, said that was Nick Bolton's best game of his career. Yes, and you're probably not wrong. He, Nick Bolton, I, I charted him as having three and a half stuffs. And that means at or behind the line of scrimmage. His ability to recognize plays as they were developing and snuff out some of those QB runs, that's a huge deal. And it was something that, again, narrowed the Eagles' options. Now, did Hurts get him once or twice? Yes. Hurts is a really, really great player. Yeah. Like, and, and Bolton has an athleticism disadvantage in open space against Hurts. But despite that, he stuffed him multiple times, too made a couple of really great plays against the pass as well in terms of arriving immediately. 
And also, you know, he scored a touchdown. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. now, to be fair, did, did Jalen Hurts drop the ball? Just, like, dropped it. Yes, but he did it because Nick Bolton is terrifying. <laughs> and so, I, I just, Mizzou fans, I really like Nick Bolton. I just like Willie Gay Jr. more. I'm sorry. I will say this, though. Maybe this will be and, and listen, and if you like Nick Bolton more than Willie Gay, for whatever reason, you and Steve Spagnuolo can get together and talk about that. You have a lot in common. <laughs> now, 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 for for the Nick Bolton um, disciples out there, I look. I understand that Nick Bolton this year played at a, at he probably played more at a Pro Bowl level than an All Pro level. Um, but the name recognition just hasn't come because he's only in his second year, and this is his right. first time as a true starter. Um, whereas in twenty twenty one, it was like you know we want to get you into the fold, but also like there's this whole COVID thing, and like who knows how much Anthony Hitchens' body can like maintain over the course of the season mm-hmm. um and look and, and we saw his talents sooner than than i think even the team anticipated but this oh, is first sure. yeah this is first year as a true starter green dot leader of the defense to some degree with obviously chris jones and and you know just houston behind, or excuse me justin reed behind him there's too many justins um yeah but with all that said like he played at a he played very close to a pro bowl level when you look at the tackles the impact plays and obviously the defense getting better over the course of the season now we'll see if he can maintain playing at a Pro Bowl level, or if yes, he he has the potential alongside with Willie Gay to be the the best linebacking tandem. Now that they've done it together for the majority of a whole season, obviously Willie Gay missed uh, those games because of the suspension. So if everything falls in line, the middle of their defense is going to be fine next season um, mm-hmm. because they went through the experience of what it takes to obviously be champions this time around, and that may mean that hey, Seth may be right. Nick Bolton might be a pro bowler next year and Willie Gay might be the more athletic, um, freakish, like just can do all the things next to the consistency and stability of Nick Bolton. And he, and I think they need each other. Yes. You, you, Nick Bolton needs a Willie Gay Jr. next to him Mm -hmm. because he does have some specific limitations that people don't like hearing about. And I get that, but those are things if you, if you want to reach that all pro level, right? or even like a, a top tier Pro Bowl level, you have to iron out some deficiencies in your game. And that's most players. And that's okay. I just, it, it just is easier to see sometimes with Willie Gay Jr. some of the things. But let me redeem myself, guys, for Mizzou fans, okay? Nick Bolton, his best play of the game, that, that was his best play of the game, has been underlooked because his Ooh. best play of the game Ooh. was not the scoop and score. That was great. That was clutch. But let's, I mean, he played that, that, that QB draw perfectly, right? The fact that it became a scoop and score was not because he did anything particularly special. The fact that he played the QB run perfectly, that was special. That was great. Great recognition by him. But like the scoop and score, that was a little lucky. And sometimes that happens. He even said, he's like, man, I was hoping the ball would just bounce right up to me. And it did. So maybe he's mildly telekinetic. I don't know. But <laughs> that would be huge. Yeah, that, 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 would, that would be huge. That Now now you want to talk about an all pro skill. Uh-huh. So, but I will say the best, the best play that he made in terms of impact. And it was purely him. No luck whatsoever. That came um, late in the game. Chiefs, they uh, the, when they 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 got the lead or they came out of the half, they scored, they make it 21-24. Uh, 
they were able to force a field goal the next drive, right? And we've all talked about this, right? That field goal punt. That, that those pairs of series, those pairs yep. of drives for the Eagles, that was key. That was it. That was it. Like, they needed that. Their defense played a little bit better than the Eagles' defense, basically, because they got a couple of stops in the second half, and the Eagles didn't stop nothing in the second half. That's how it went. We, I've, I've talked about what, uh, what Willie Gay Jr. did. I, I, I've talked about that. I want to talk about it more, actually. But on third and 11, on that field goal drive, so the Eagles are facing third and 11, and they, you know the Eagles, they need like eight yards, right? Because then they're going to go for it. They, they basically ran a concept that's something that Andy Reid runs all, all the time, where you've got a receiver crossing the shallow end of the field, and then you've got A.J. Brown, and Dallas Godert crossing the field right to left. And the goal is to pick off and, and basically confuse and distract the, the underneath zone guys so they don't catch the, the, the other crosser that's heading left to right. Are you guys still with me? Yes. Still with you. It's a version of a pick play in a way, and Andy Reid uses it all the time. Doug Peterson loves this. And most linebackers get caught up in the scuffle. And what ends up happening is you've got a receiver on the sideline alone against a corner. And then they get, you know, at least seven, eight, nine yards. This play only picked up three or four because Nick Bolton navigated the muck, recognized the route combination. And the minute that receiver caught the football, Nick Bolton was all over him. And he played it. He didn't just arrive fast. He arrived under control. He didn't overrun the play because that's something Willie Gay Jr. does. That's a real problem for him. He like arrives at 100 miles an hour, goes screaming by sometimes. Bolton arrived under control, grabbed the dude, and hurled him to the ground. And that's one of my favorite things about Bolton. When he puts his hands on guys, the play ends. It's like, oh, you were going to run farther. However, I can't allow that. So, and then they throws them to the ground. That was his best play of the game because it forced the Eagles to punt because it became it was like fourth and seven or something like that. That was a, a, a game-changing moment, and it's demonstrative of what Nick Bolton does bring in addition to physicality and tackling. And you can talk about leadership and all that stuff. He understands how to play football. And that's one reason why he's been an overachiever his entire career, and that includes now. And and it was it's just such a cool play because it kind of flew under the radar. People want to talk about a ball that bounced up to him. That right there, that's a Pro Bowl level play right there. You're talking about third and eleven, you said, right? Yep, third and eleven. Is that that so you said I just I'm just making sure we have all of our, our data right where you cause you second ago you said that they punted, but that would have been in the red zone, which turned into the field goal. Yeah, they kicked the, the field goal. goal. Yep. Okay. This is the field goal sure. drive. Great, great. Uh, just and the uh, the clip of that one is down there in the uh, the film review as well. And you already said you wanted to talk more about Willie Gay. I wanted to make I was going to try to urge you to if you didn't because we we ended up in uh, hey Mizzou fans please please don't like put bags of dog poop on Seth's front doorstep anymore. Um, and I I do want you to to also take us back to what Willie Gay was doing and and also I mean the the idea of all three of these linebackers like being out there a little more next year you know yes. I'm yeah, to, I'm starting to get a little good feeling about that. It's I don't a little bit. I don't hate the idea. Okay, so Willie Gay Jr. Um, a couple things. One of the obvious ones is that third and long um, um, throwaway on the punt drive now, where they blitz Willie Gay Jr. and Hertz does a good job trying to buy extra time and rolls out. Mm-hmm. And normally, when Jalen Hurts does, he does that little spin move, you know, in the backfield mm-hmm. that leaves guys behind. The thing is, Willie Gay. I mean, that man moves like a safety. Like 
He is unbelievably athletic and hurts on that play. Never had a chance. Now, shout out to Carlos Dunlap, who recognized what was happening, stayed disciplined and started to close too. But the reason Hertz never had any time to scan whatsoever is his spin and roll did not really throw <laughs> Gay off his trail. It didn't buy him any time, man. I'm watching it on a loop. It's hilarious. He had to, like, and the way I tried to frame it is he had to keep sprinting. Yeah, it's like Willie Gay had him in a tractor beam. <laughs> he really, it's like, yeah, it's like he had like this invisible, well, okay, tractor beam. You said it well. I was just going to restate what you said with more words. <laughs> You've done that before. And, and there's a big difference when you are rolling opposite of your throwing arm. There's a difference between rolling and or even running yeah. versus sprinting. Mm-hmm. And for Jalen Hurts to not lose ground to Willie Gay Jr., he had to sprint. <laughs> Because that dude is fast. That's a play that everyone knows about. I'm gonna I'm gonna point out one other one. Right before Nick Bolton made a game altering tackle, you call in, one reason they end up in third and eleven is because Colin Saunders collected a sack. Yes. That 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 led to a second eleven or third and eleven. I can't remember which one it was. And by the way, my dad is he he told me that by the way on a side note my dad said when we were we were hanging out the other day he's like you know son if i'd said half the things that you credit me with saying on that podcast <laughs> i am the wisest man really whoever lived or some version of that and i was like you know dad it says something that i remember like all these pivotal things you told me and you were just winging it yes so, absolutely which i identify <laughs> with as a dad it's like oh man that was a great moment my dad was like i don't know i was just trying to survive you were a teenager and you suck so um <laughs> He didn't say that part, but I knew what he meant. Anyway, when Colin Saunders chased Hertz out of bounds, he was like, you know, when you get a dude with the number 99 who can move like that. Yep. And I was like, yep, that's Saunders. Because you could tell, I, I call that the Tano Passigno. Yeah. When they start closing and you see the quarter like, oh, I can run away from that. Ah! You know, they just, <laughs> they just freak out. So that's a cool play. It's fun to watch. Saunders, heck of a play by him. However. It happened in part, and the Chiefs are playing a, a version of zone that ended up with Willie Gay Jr. on an island in coverage against yeah. Devonta Smith, mm-hmm. and he covered him. <laughs> he covers him. He, he he sits there, and Smith is like, oh, I better break free to the out. Why is this guy still here? And that is just such a cool, like, if you do those back-to-back plays with him and Bolton, it's demonstrative of the what they bring to the table. And that's not even getting into how they both just kept attacking the line of scrimmage. They limited the run plays. The Eagles did not run the ball well. No. And the linebackers were huge on that. Spags just was like, hey, guys, I'm sending you at the line of scrimmage. (laughs) (laughs) Let's know. It's okay. I was done listening to Seth also. If Hayden has anything to add, I'd love to hear it. (laughs) You want to tell him what your favorite part from the Super Bowl was? And so... You know what? I think we. Sh- I want to know whether or not Hayden thinks that how I feel about Nick Bolton is okay. <laughs> yeah. Can we ask Hayden who his favorite Chiefs linebacker is? Uh, linebacker, you say? Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> mm-hmm. I like all of them. Not good enough for Mizzou fans, unfortunately. Oh, so that's unfortunate. That's still going to be taken as a slight. <laughs> I'm sorry, Hayden. I hate to break the bad news, but. You're still the man, though. So, I just, the 
it, it's such a cool thing to watch linebacker become Seth, a position. Seth, does it feel like between Hayden and Nate's dad that it's about to become like Times Taylor's pretty soon? Yeah, like, I'm no, starting I, to feel pretty uh, pretty replaceable. It, yeah, I is, can <laughs> I can tell when people are coming for my job. This yeah. is not an unfamiliar feeling. For me. Hayden's right. the Isaiah Pacheco of this show right now. He is here to take another grown man's job, and I think that reflects poorly for us. Well, you know, someone who... You know, we didn't have that. We didn't have that that sort of blitz in our protection plan this week, guys. <laughs> so he just he just ran right through it. Nate's in a Nate's in a one man protection right now, yep. and uh, you know, you, you didn't see that pressure coming. Yeah. Is, is there anything you want to say about Isaiah Pacheco, Hayden? Uh, no. Okay. He doesn't. He he does not want to say anything. Okay. All right. Well, <sighs> that's. That's that's a really good uh, parenthood moment there, by the way. When you want your kid to say something, they're like, mm-mm. <laughs> but like when they just burst into the room, hello, father! I, you know, just, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's incredible. It is I, your firstborn son, here to tell you that I would re- really appreciate a snack sometime shortly. <laughs> Remember, hey, Dad, pre- when you said don't come in here, <laughs> is that now? Or... <laughs> He what? In, Why are you shaking your head? He came in asking for Pringles, and I said, "Sure, man." Sure. Hey, whomst among us has not wanted some? What kind of Pringles you got? What kind of Pringles did you have? <laughs> I guess. Uh, did you get the? There's a lot cheese. of good answers. Cheese. Oh, <laughs> like the cheddar? Oh, yeah. Cheddar. Wow. Yeah. Now oh, that is high quality. The other thing that's high quality, having a linebacker that can cover Devonta Smith. In, now, now, to be fair, that <laughs> is not, a great... And, and, and not get embarrassed, yes. Yeah, and not yes. get embarrassed. Because Hertz was looking for him. Once he started to face some pressure, he rolls out. He sees that matchup because the corner goes upfield because they're bracketing A.J. Brown. What that's supposed to do against that coverage is it leaves Smith alone with a linebacker. And so he starts rolling, thinking, okay, being EO, because it, you know, it's Smith against a linebacker. And Gay covered him, and he had nowhere to go. And so he had two really unpleasant surprises on that play. One, Willie Gay covering Devonta Smith. Two, Colin Saunders can move. And it resulted in, again, that field goal. Utterly crucial things that don't happen without the improvements they made with the linebacker group, which is just goes to show the whole thing we've been talking about, that Brett Veach has just been on a heater the last few years. Like, he is, right now, if he were Steph Curry, he'd be about to throw up a shot from half court. Just like, ah, let's just see. Let's see what happens. And I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest that he and the front office don't do that with the first-round pick this year. <laughs> They're going to draft some random dude from Bulgaria. Well, I look, I mean, as long as he's not a running back, Bulgaria doesn't yeah. bother me. <laughs> It'll be a guy that's never played football, but he's projected to be a defensive end. It's like, oh, okay, well, you know. <laughs> I, uh, look, the, the Brett Veach experience of this last year in particular for me has really been a good exercise in learning how to trust again after someone's hurt you. And uh, it's, I've really grown a lot, um, specifically with, with Brett Veach, because he really, he, really, um, he really betrayed my confidence back in 2020. And, and since then, he's been earning it back, and I, I appreciate that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Um, on on that note with Veach and just sort of like a quick thing on the roster, I don't want to dive all the way into it right now, but I kind of came across this looking at like one Thornhill's potential market. It's just a crazy thought exercise. If the Chiefs sign one Thornhill to like a two-year deal with, you know, 75% of it guaranteed, so it's very, very close to a two-year guaranteed deal, whatever it might shake out to, the numbers I've seen, the projected ones, not that expensive. The Chiefs would have their entire secondary and starting three linebackers under contract for the next couple of years, save Legereus Sneed, and it would just be like on rails. I mean, it's just kind of, done like again Snead will have to get paid if if they don't get that figured out this offseason but there shouldn't be a new starter anywhere next year in the back uh seven of the secondary and that's just kind of a wild thing where it's like oh I guess you could just spend all your draft picks and free agency money on depth slash future plays and then trenches and wide receivers yeah sure yeah that seems okay I just thought that was an interesting thought exercise to keep in mind Well, I was waiting for Nate, but, but you, you know, might be helping you, with Pringles. You, yeah, no, I mean, and, and I was the only one who thought it was interesting, and that's <laughs> you, cool. Um, no, so I was just, just going to say, but you know they're going to draft a cornerback in the middle to late round oh, of the yeah. draft who might, 
who might start next season. And I'm good with that. I'm good. I'm good with that. As long as as long as he's from uh, uh, some school the in the Mason South, the Mason Dixie line, guys. But they went to Washington twice last year, so I don't even know yeah. what to believe. It's anymore. Washington or a dude who has never seen snow in his life. Those yeah, are the options. Never seen snow is good. But if if I can't get never seen snow, I will take near a coast, I guess. <laughs> um, but, but no, no, like no Big Ten linebacker, no no Big Ten corners out here. That's do they not, have corners in the Big Pac-12 Ten? Pac twelve is fine. Not a, I'm just making college fans mad today. That's what I'm doing. This is who I am now. I'm the I, villain. I, That's it. I had a I had an argument with a friend, and I said, you know. Um, I was like, man, you know, Tennessee had a good year. And I was like, yeah, that's true. But it's more offense and defense. And, like, you know, Tennessee doesn't really – don't really produce corners at a high level. And then he literally did the research and was like, wow. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like Tennessee and corners. I mean, cool. But, like, <laughs> he, like, you know, every school has its reputation. Tennessee is not known for producing NFL caliber cornerbacks. Washington, meanwhile – is no for doing is. such a is no yeah. for doing such a thing. So we're we're getting close. I understand that like some people are like really um really eager to see the draft just because obviously they know it's in Kansas City in a few weeks. Um but also like it's a bit it's a bit unusual to know that um this team will enter the draft, I think, in a slightly different with like with like lessons learned, of course, and in a slightly different roster composition, which is basically what you're getting at, Josh, from obviously the team that won the Super Bowl in 19 and through a number of circumstances pretty much brought the same group back. Um, it's going to be a different, different experience this time. And I do think the front office and the coaching staff, as much as it can stay um, intact, obviously minus Eric Bien-Aimé, um how much of that will serve them for, you know, the next sort of obstacles with, with this draft class. I just can't wait to pick the chargers to win the AFC West, but I, I, well, really Connor, I mean, Connor can. Orr has already picked them to, to be the AFC's top yeah, seed. Say, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's picking them to win the AFC or to be AFC champions, but he is, you know, I did see, uh, per Ken Swanson's Twitter account that Connor Orr from Sports Illustrated has picked the Chargers to be the top seed in the AFC. I did I did indeed see that moments ago. Hey, you know what? I mean, they've had a great offseason. Um, they got a ton of talent. Oh, wait, it's only February 20th. I just, <laughs> man, I, 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 uh, I wanted to, I didn't realize, man, that was a lot. Hang on. There, I'm good. So, We'll edit all this out. Don't worry, Seth. We edited all that out. Oh, Nobody yeah, heard I'm it. Sure. Um, I hadn't realized what you kind of pointed out there, Josh, in terms of the linebackers and the secondary. And I think like I, maybe in the back of my head, I realized it. But if they find a way to keep Juan around, and I I feel like they're going to keep Snead around, honestly. I I did. It feels like that's the guy. And then, Nate, you can tell us if Seth and I are way off. Like, and I know that they didn't pay Ward. But it feels like if there's a corner they might pay, it it would be Legereus Sneed, especially just for his entire skill set. Yeah, and and speaking in scheme specific too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Now I could argue, and some people have, that Legereus Sneed played at a all pro level at the corner at the nickel position, mm-hmm. even though he was not named an all pro player. That's how mm-hmm. good the league is. But I, you could you could say that. Obviously, based on experience in production, 
Legeus Need played at an all pro level, whereas like Nick Bolton played at a Pro Bowl level. Um, and then obviously there's Chris Jones who's playing at an all world. Yeah, yeah. So there's uh, there's levels of these yeah. kids, but based on the scheme and obviously what he's done and the fact that they added him towards, hey, um, maybe next season he starts the year as the number. Like, hey, we're you know if we if we want if if we want to have the shadow as part of our menu for today's opponent, mm. then obviously we can use you for that um, because we obviously sprinkled it from time to time um, towards the end of, of the 2022 season. But yeah, I think, I think for all those reasons, need is, is probably the, the one you would pick between the two. Um, getting him a year early is also uh, a part of this as well. Mm-hmm. And what I've said about Juan Thornhill, and I'm pretty much going to stay with this unless I hear something differently at the combine, but Juan Thornhill is a very capable player who will not make a market setting deal, but Juan Thornhill can look right at Justin Reed's contract and say, I want that. Mm. And uh, he has every right to, to ask for such and to see how many teams are willing who are contenders um, who need a, a good, a, a very, good safety um you know because <sighs> all right i'll say it have anybody has anybody looked at the cincinnati Bengals composition because they gonna need a safety yeah but they're not and paying jesse bates no now i don't know if juan thornhill can get the Justin Reed contract from the Bengals, considering they know they gotta pay joe burrow mm-hmm. and jamar chase and T. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe T. Higgins is getting traded. Maybe, just, just, maybe. Seth, if you're wondering, that did just come through for me, like, like the Terminator short circuiting. Is that, is that what you're thinking? Uh, that is my. I will never for our for dear listener. You need to know that Zoom registers, and Josh, you've alluded to this. Zoom registers like five percent of Nate's highest pitch. Yeah. It's still happening. It's still, I just, I, and so what? What Seth and I hear is, like, it's just that little kind of, kind of like uh, tisk sound, and it makes me. Oh, I'm trying. It makes me laugh every single time. I. Now my son's doing it. This is this is where we this are. Is, yes. <laughs> you got to get him start training that young. By the time he's your age, he's gonna be able to hit a, a register that only dogs can hear. Um, all train I'm him early. Is, T. Higgins. I'm just interested. He might be the most interesting player that you have not thought about for this offseason, kids. I have. <sighs> I I've thought But it, but anyway, but anyway, the Bengals need a safety. And who knows? Um, if they want to stay, you know, relevant in the AFC right. in like the top echelon, you know, I know a safety who's gonna be available on the open market. And his name is Juan Thornhill. Right. And that's here's the thing: like Thornhill is a player who you know, I, I'm sure the Chiefs would like to have him back. But there's a price to be paid for winning the Super Bowl. And that's yeah. where you're good players, but not your like, you know, I I would say Juan Thornhill, he was the second best safety on the team this year. I think Justin Reed was the best safety on the team. That's a guy that if you don't win the Super Bowl, maybe he's not priced out. But... When teams see him, you know, almost intercepting and knocking down some passes in the Super Bowl and generally being in good position, it's like, huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you know what else? I mean, he's a winner. 
You want guys that have made multiple playoff runs. Teams love that stuff. And he's going to be a tough guy to keep. And that's where the Chiefs are just, I think they're in a position where I think the market probably prices them out. But you know who looked pretty good in the Super Bowl? And I know we're, we've gone way far afield now of all sorts of things. You know who I thought looks pretty good down the stretch is Brian Cook. Brian Cook. Yep. That's the other thing is if, if Thornhill does walk, Brian Cook is slotted into the starting lineup. And now you're just drafting for your third safety again, which they just mm-hmm. did successfully. Yeah. Yep. I one thing I am curious about with Legarius Sneed, I it it certainly appears that the team loves him. His skill set is so perfect for what Spagnolo loves about corners. It's hold on, may I? It's spagnificent. <laughs> <laughs> I've just invented no. this word. I will be using it through the oh, offseason. For the love of God. Um <laughs> I hate how funny I found that. Um <laughs> It's like distracted me. How funny I found that and how mad that makes me. So the, 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 so- it's really cool that it's really cool that your, your reaction to me making you laugh is you getting angry. <laughs> <laughs> does Seth love Josh or does he hate Josh? He hates that he loves Josh, son. <laughs> and he loves that he hates him. So Anyway, now that we're done explaining toxic relationships to young people everywhere. <laughs> so the, the only interesting part of that to me is if you're Brett Veach and you're looking at your defensive staff that does nothing but churn out average to really good corners year after year. And maybe you got some money to spend elsewhere. That's the only thing. Be like, you know, I mean, we, we kind of like these three rookies and, you know, do we need four corners? Which, by the way, the answer to that is yes. Yes, you do. Yes. yes. <laughs> the answer um, is yes. But it's just interesting to me. Like I, it, Rashad Fitton would like to tell you. Yes. yes. <laughs> and so I, I'm just, it's an interesting thing. I think that's the only thing that might hold things up. Like if he's asking for, for you know, top tier corner money, which I get why he would. You know, a pivotal player in a Super Bowl run. That matters. Um, it, it just, it might be interesting if you're the Chiefs saying, well, you know, like what, you know, are we, you know, where where are we allocating resources to? They seem like they're entering a phase of being a little more conservative with stuff. Although, and again, if it's a position that you've been able to identify talent and grab guys, I, that's the only, and I'm not saying they should, by the way. I think they'll pay Snead, and I think they should. But that, to me, would be the only hang-up if I were them. Um, Because it's like, well, yeah, or we could, like, you know, pay a bunch of receivers or, you know, whatever, right? And that that would be the only hang-up there. But I I anticipate them paying him. And if that's the case, it really would be a cool thing. Like, you virtually have the entire back end of the defense coming back. And so that gives you all the resources to play up front, which where they need a lot of attention. With that being said, I think our plan for a shorter than usual episode has once again failed. And I think we have covered most of the things on my little sticky note. Not all of the things. You but we can it. talk more about uh, the Mahomes film review and other stuff as we get in the offseason. So you you got to do the parade story, man. I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there eventually. I've told it in a couple of places. And uh, the short version is that my feet have, uh, have regained feeling. And so Whew. I will... Um, I'll, I promise I'll bring that at some point. I'm I'm not gonna get rid of the sticky note. I may I may come up with a new one with the new little uh, three bullet points. But so far as I can tell, knowing the three of us and the football team that we cover, 
we're not going to be hurting too bad for off-season content. So we will, uh, we're, we're going to keep planning on bringing you episodes every uh, Monday night slash Tuesday morning, depending on when they get out of the podcast factory. And uh, we'll we'll have the combine not too far away. Franchise tag deadlines opening up tomorrow. Free agency. The draft's just around the corner. So uh, looking forward to one a week, but uh, it should be a heck of an hour every week. From uh, from here on out, maybe we'll maybe we'll take a breath at some point. I don't know. We'll we'll get there when we get there. But uh, with that being said, uh, I'd like to bring uh, special guest Hayden Taylor back in to go ahead and close this out. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I have that kind of power. No, I wish you did. It's, but he, it's a good he's, idea. He's oh, funny. he's bouncing elsewhere. <laughs> um. Hey, go read go read Seth's go read Seth's linebacker piece mnchiefsfan.substack.com and go read the Mahomes film review before we talk about it next. Yeah, yeah. Plus, Nate's piece on the uh, the Chiefs' potential draft targets at a few different spots is really, really excellent to, to get you into those draft waters. I think we'll cannonball in next week's episode, so go check that out before then as well. Now All I'm right. done. Okay. Someone get this to Casey Sager. Um, I know I could contact her, but I think it's always cool when someone's like, hey, someone mentioned you. So somebody get this to Casey Sager. I did appreciate um, this tweet of hers a few days ago. Um and I just want to ask it to you guys because I've thought about it, but she says, which Mahomes era roster has been your favorite? Um, she combined 19 and 20 because it was championship and running back group. Um, but from 2018, obviously the 1920 team, the 2021 team, and then obviously the Super Bowl team, which is your favorite, Seth? I think. Patriots boy, <laughs> Patriots man who's now. Well, they're all, who's they're now? all brilliant and should never have their greatness questioned, frankly. But... Um, I, I didn't think this when you started the question and in the five seconds of careful thought, I gave it, I, mm, this is, this is live radio. It's kids, this, or live it's this year's roster. It is Ooh. yeah, top to bottom. There's so many great stories here. And the, and the, the thing that almost pushed it over the top for the 2019 roster was the existence of, of, uh, Mitchell Schwartz. Um, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. but the presence of my new large adult son, Creed Humphrey has helped even that out a little bit, but that it just barely. So Mitch, if you ever listen to this, cause I'm sure you're an avid times ours listener. Cause you don't have anything better to do. Avid. Um, you, you were nearly the thing that brought it over the top. Um, but now this, this roster was just so much fun and such a great combination of, of guys that have been there before. And new upcoming guys and like great stories like Carlos Dunlap winning a ring. That was fun to watch. Yeah. That dude was yeah. thrilled. And so yes. that it's gotta be this year's for me. Josh. Yeah. I the 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 2019 team will forever be a curse breaker in yep. my mind. And if they want to make t-shirts and put that whole roster on it and call them the curse breakers, I would I'd I'd buy them one from you. But I, I, I think this team ended up kind of having slightly better vibes. I, uh, I, I just maybe it's just a lot of new faces and the turnover and everything. Yeah, but I think that's I, part of it is that yes. I, and so, so that's probably being a prisoner of the moment. And if you asked it again in five years, maybe it would change. But as of right now, so many of the young guys being such a big part of it, and a lot of guys that seem like they kind of knew what they were signing up for and are very grateful for the ride, as opposed to guys who maybe didn't really know exactly how it was going to go. And then we're shot into space. Um, I think I, I think I do kind of lean with this team, but uh, Nate, you were a lot closer to those teams. I don't even know if you're going to give us your answer. 
I, I don't know if I'm going to give mine either. <laughs> um, but I do think, I just want to remind people how um, immensely fun the 19 team was. Just from a personality standpoint, as you said, obviously they did something that no team had done 50 years previously. So guys like Reggie Ragland, oh, um, yeah. Mitchell Schwartz. Tyron See, this Matthew. is it, man. You can go down the list, and it's going to be really hard for it's me. Gonna to be, be I like, mean, oh, Sammy. Yeah, I mean, look. There's no one on the roster like Sammy Watkins. No, there sure <laughs> isn't. You man. mispronounced I'm on Earth. <laughs> on Earth. So, like, I, again, this is why I brought it up, and I just think it was fascinating that like Casey thought of it, and then obviously put it on Twitter. That is one of the beauties of Twitter. It's like, oh, I hadn't thought about this, and like, we should be rewarding those people, not those idiots who suggest that, you know. Just don't overthink football, yeah. guys. Be more like Casey Sager is what I'm ultimately trying to say. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy this this thought because I think there's no wrong answer between the 19 team. Bashad Breland got a ring, man. Got yeah. and got a pick. He, got a pick. Yeah. he played well and that year. Yes. And Jeff Allen Jeff played for four games and got a ring and is one of the most funny Twitter followers or Twitter follows you could possibly have. Did Coleccio similarly get a ring? I think I think they gave everyone a ring. Like they, Pretty like much, Clark Hunt yeah. was like, like the fact. I mean, Matt Coleccio similarly got a ring. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, I mean, Matt Moore had a very specific part of the season. Lashawn McCoy, who now hates everything he was, about the Chiefs. Yes, he was coaching high schools. Matt Moore was like, I was drawing up plays on install for the high school. Okay. What, y'all want me to come yeah. through? You want to come through? You know what? No. <laughs> Anthony Thomas got I, a ring. What? I just changed my mind, and I'm going to explain why to you in two words, and you'll get it. Mike Pinnell. Or Pennell. <laughs> However not, you say his not, name. Yeah. I love him. Yeah, not... Not the hero you needed, but the hero you needed and <laughs> yep. wanted. Terrell Suggs, man. Okay, nope. I it changed Terrell my mind. Suggs, it's ben Neiman, Dan Sorensen. I mean, Ben Neiman Mo had the Claiborne. blitz of his lights. <laughs> the blitz of his lights. Eric Dieter. Okay, okay. <laughs> remember, I mean, remember the Darwin Thompson hype. Demarcus Robinson having one I route do. that's he unstoppable. Darwin Thompson got a carry in the Super Bowl. He got he got more carries in the Super Bowl than LaShawn McCoy. Think about or Clyde that. Edwards Alaire. Yeah. <sighs> but hey, Clyde got to play in the 55. No, he, um, he so. sure did. So look, I mean look, I like you're saying, Nate, I just think the moral of this story is be more like Casey and less like Seth. Spencer Ware. Mm. My guy mm. Damian Williams. No, yeah, it's gotta be this. I'm so fond of so many people on this team that I'm ignoring what Josh just said to me. Kendall Fuller, crucial chess piece to the defense. I'm sorry, I'm gonna shut up now. We all know that's not Laurent Duvarney Tardif. <laughs> LDT! LDC, Cam bro. Irving, oh, so. I just won. <laughs> Did we say Darren Lee yet? I knew, I knew we were going. I knew, I knew uh, this was the most diabolical I've been in an episode. Seriously, because this is this is a bunch of false endings. This episode's like Lord of the Rings, dude. There's gonna be four hundred places where Kent's like, I could just cut it here or or nope, here. They're still talking. Or, yep, they're still like, talking. Oh, they're waiting for somebody to say Anthony Sherman. All right, cool. There it is. <laughs> Dustin Colquitt, noted punter analyst. Anyway, I, I don't know. Anyway, if you want more confetti, we we do have oh. it for you. Oh, God. 
So this is the last chance. Uh, the form is going to be open here momentarily. Uh, yeah. So um, if you didn't get it on the you first, give out the week, link again. Do we have the link again, or you want to wait for uh, for Seth to shot? I think we've done the entire fifty-three man roster at this point. I don't. I, I'm I swear, I'm actually done now. I, I I'm not gonna get do better than Cam Irving. <laughs> it's gonna be tough. <laughs> who played well for half the season? Um, and who was the greatest celebrator alive? Greatest celebrator. I mean, so yeah. The the point is, you should enjoy both of them. Um, although I only love, one of them had Dorian O'Daniel. <laughs> although I love the fact that you can you can't be wrong in saying the nineteen slash twenty running back group that again got you one game away from being back to back champions, and obviously. Um, you know, shout out to Austin Ryder. Was there then? Was there now? Um, obviously, with the 2022 team. So, if you want confetti, we have a few left. Um, it's basically going to be at a first come, first serve basis, but it is the tinyurl.com slash four slash 482JJ3KY. This is your last chance. Tinyurl.com forward slash 482JJ3KY. Um, we have about an extra hundred left. So if you've already filled out the form, please don't fill it out again. This is for people who have been asking. And thanks for listening. Um, because my goodness, I guess this is the 2022 season. Because now, the next time you hear our voices, I'll be, you know, um, whispering in Eric Benemy's ear at some bar in Indianapolis during the combine saying, Hey, man. Hey, hey. You ready to call some plays?